Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Good evening and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage and tonight we are going to talk through one of the most interesting genealogies in the entire Bible found in Genesis chapter 5 as we continue our series called Back to the Beginning. If you would like to join our conversation tonight or if you have any questions or need somebody to pray with you, please give us a call. Our studio phone number is 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, you know what I saw today after service that I absolutely was excited to see? And what did you see, Micah? <laughs> I saw two brothers sitting at a table with their Bibles out, open, commentaries, charts, timelines, and they are preparing for this radio program. That is awesome. So we're glad to have two men who are fully prepared tonight. Because when you come on the radio, it does put the fear of the Lord in you <laughs> that you're prepared and ready to go, ready and raring. So does, we have two men, Brother Tim Stalkup, Brother Dennis Clements. Good to have you with us here tonight. Thank you for being with us once again on the Heritage of Faith Conversations. Yeah, thank you, Amen. Glad to be here. Yeah, be so, you. so you guys are, are regular and old hands at this. So we're, we're excited about this chapter. Yep. And it's a very important chapter, obviously, and we see this expression, Micah, and he died, occur many times, and it shows us the realities of life under sin's curse. And it seems we're living that as well in our own country, seeing the reality, mm. the tragedy mm-hmm. of death, yeah. and, and how painful it is. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to look at this chapter and make some applications as well that can bring us comfort yeah. mm-hmm. in the midst of these realities, the reality of life under sin's curse. So we're going to read the not the entire chapter, but we're going to begin at verse 1 and go down to verse 8, Micah, and then we're going to also then read about Enoch and then Methuselah and then Noah. So we're really going to focus on those four men tonight, right? Adam, Enoch, Methuselah, and Noah. So, dear listeners, stick with us. It'll be a great program, and we have an awesome song. I promise you, we have an awesome song to play tonight that you'll really enjoy. So, Brother Micah, if you could start us off. Sure. Genesis chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begot Enos. And Seth lived after he begot Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Okay, Brother Dennis, down to verse 21. Okay, 9 to 21. No, verse 21 to 24. 21 24. And Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God, 
after he begot Methuselah 300 years, and he begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived 187 years, and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived, after he begat Lamech, 782 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died, and Lamech lived 182 years, and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord God hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah five hundred ninety and five years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were seven hundred and seventy and seven years. That's a good number to live if you're going to live long, seven hundred seven seven. And he died. And Noah was five hundred years old. And Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So our message tonight and our conversation is going to focus on the four realities of life under sin's curse as we look at the lives of Adam, Enoch, Methuselah, and Noah, especially in this genealogy. And Brother Tim, if you could open us up in prayer. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word that gives us answers to the complexities of life. And as we're in this passage and we look at the beginning of death, coming upon mankind yes. uh, and um, uh, uh, beyond uh, just just Cain who killed somebody but even just natural death and, and, and it, it can seem tragic it can seem harsh uh, and yet uh, we know that you are God and you are in control and you are good mm-hmm. and how does all this fit together Lord we ask that you would help us to glean from your word what you want us to and may people be encouraged as they hear the word of God today and as they think about what your word has to say and we thank you that you are a God who gives hope you're a God who gives salvation and you do have an eternity and a future for us uh, even beyond this sin cursed world we ask Lord that uh, you would take these next few minutes and accomplish what you want to in Jesus name Amen. Amen. So Genesis chapter 4, we learned about the civilization of Cain and the line of Cain. Yeah. And we see the, the increase of sin in the world because of Cain's civilization that was living separated from God. But here we see the godly line, the, the line of Seth described. And it's really quite amazing because it, all, it goes all the way from Adam and to Noah. So it really gives us the timeline of human history yeah. from creation to the flood. Mm-hmm. But what it also shows us is that the human achievement of Cain's civilization, the great material progress that was experienced during the life of Cain, does not defeat death. That man, with all his progress, with all of his cunning, with all of his ability, creativity, his, his technology, whatever you want to say, cannot defeat death because death reigns in Genesis chapter 5. So we're going to look at these realities of life under sin's curse and we're going to focus, as I mentioned, on four of the key men in this genealogy, Adam, Enoch, Methuselah, Noah. Very amazing, very interesting. So before we get into that, as I said, the key phrase in Genesis 5, repeated eight times, I believe, is, and he died, and he died. Even if 
I thought about Methuselah. Mm-hmm. He lived 969 years. Nine <laughs> years. But guess what happened to him after that? He died. And he died. And yeah. and then I thought, 969 years, that's that's a long time to yeah. live, right? Yep. But it's only one day in God's sight. <laughs> it's only less one day. day. Less, than, less a day. than a day. <laughs> so it's really not even very long. But anyway, so how has death affected you? Dear friend, tonight, I even ask you this question. How has death affected you, and how do you deal with it? Do you need prayer in your life? Maybe there has been an untimely death in your family. Maybe it's a nephew or a cousin. Maybe it's a mother or a father. Maybe your mother or father died when you were very young, and you now you're an adult, and you've never known your parent. And that's sad. And maybe you still live with that burden, that heartache. And maybe you just want somebody to pray with tonight. You can give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. But, Brother Tim, how has death affected your life? And then if we could each just share, how has, how has death become manifest in our life and brought a burden to us? That's a great question, and, and it's so true. You can, can direct this to each one of us because... As you say, death has affected all of us. Mm. Uh, my my grandparents have all passed on to glory, and as we have Memorial Day tomorrow, I'm grateful for my grandpas who served in the army, and and are now gone. Uh, we we buried my last two grandparents last year. They survived heart attacks, and cancer, and COVID, but they could not survive old age. Yeah. Mm. And and. Uh, yeah. In fact, I'm the 12th generation Stalkup. Um, the first, this is the Stalkup is my last name, and uh, 10 of the 12 generations of Stalkups are are in the ground. Yeah, and it, it lets us know what our destiny is as well, right? For sure. That that's really something. I remember when my grandfather died, and Debbie was pregnant with our youngest son at that time. And my grandfather died just before Christmas. Mm. And at his funeral, Debbie went into labor for oh, wow. Daniel. Oh, wow. And so literally we left his funeral to, for the hospital, mm. and Daniel was born. So mm. it's one generation dies, yeah. another generation is born. Mm. But the thing wow. is, what affects me about that is it seemed like yesterday. My grandfather died, but since then my father has died. And now my son is 20 six years old I think and guess who's next in that line to die <laughs> so that makes you really think yeah brother Dennis yes uh, that's like Hebrews 927 as it is appointed in the man wants to die uh, and after this the judgment you know there's an appointment and uh, back in a uh, section of time in my life 2002 2003 2004 2005 we had four family members die consecutive one each year mm. and it was difficult so how do you explain this to your kids that was the the one was unexpected, and so it was difficult. But it, in my heart, as a believer, it says it's got to be. There has to be. There's an urgency uh, to let people know uh, about this uh, urgency. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And so it's you know it, it, it encourages believers to uh, in, uh, the urgency to let people know this is happening. This is real. Let people know there is a there is a there is hope. 
Right. Death. There's death, but there mm-hmm. is a way to overcome death yeah. through our Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that's why we need Jesus so much. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, I passed, uh, participated in several funerals recently. One was for my grandfather, and one was for a dear lady, a friend of our church. And I've spent quite a bit of time recently thinking about life and death, and it's become even more clear to me that we are all living within the time frame of a divine stopwatch. And so the minute we're conceived, that stopwatch begins ticking. For some, the time clock stops before we reach adulthood. For others, like my grandfather, they live to be 99. But the point is, even the longest life is pretty short. So the question becomes, how will you make your short life count? And of course, for those of us who are Christians and are serious about our faith, we look at the years we have on earth as an opportunity to serve God in all we do. And frankly, thinking about death motivates us to live for Him. Right, and it's we're, we have a culture of death as well when... It seems like every day there's there are these senseless, unprovoked acts yeah. of murder, mm-hmm. and it just leaves everybody just so blank and so empty and despairing and wondering why. Mm-hmm. And it was Baltimore, a couple, uh, B- Buffalo, a couple weeks ago in a supermarket, yeah. and then of course it was Uvalde this past week with just precious ten-year-old children down there in Texas, but I remember Columbine, and Mm -hmm. it was the same thing, and it's just Mm -hmm. gone on and on and on, from Connecticut to Uvalde, and it's sad to say, we'll probably be talking about this again next year, Mm. at this time, and we might wonder, what is going on in our our own culture? Mm -hmm. It seems like, and and I read something, and I I said this this morning, but I want to say it again, dear friends, that our culture is in deep darkness and demise and we need to return to the lord Mm -hmm. that's why i believe these things ultimately are happening there's a there's a factory of psychopaths being produced because there are absent fathers many times and and children are being raised without fathers and without mothers and 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 i know our politicians want to legislate something so that this wouldn't happen but you can't legislate the family yeah this is only going to happen when there's real revival Mm -hmm. uh, and a return to jesus christ in our nation so i i just ask our dear new yorkers out there dad stand up and and love and parent and lead and love your families and and moms love your children and and guide them and direct them and nurture them in the admonition of the lord we need to bring up our children for christ mm. and not just let let video games and the internet and mm-hmm. all the garbage that's on there to 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 grab hold of the minds of our children because we're living in a culture where death is taking over yeah yeah, and one of the things that didn't come out, even back in Columbine, which was 1999, not far from where I grew up in Colorado, yeah. um, was that those two boys who went in there, they were obsessed with Quentin Tarantino movies. Now, those movies mm. are just filled with violence, full, filled with senseless shootings and gun violence. And, you know, these kids had just watched those movies over and over and over. And that didn't necessarily come out because the media, you know, they owned the CBS, they owned Viacom, they owned all these different companies. But the truth of the matter is if you fill your mind with violence constantly, eventually it's going to come out. So Mm -hmm. parents, please, as Pastor said, protect your children from this. And our hearts to go out for Mm -hmm. the loved ones who experienced death up there in Buffalo a few weeks ago and in Uvalde, Texas, and it's really just heartbreaking to see. But there is hope, dear friends, Amen. as we are living under the reality that there is the curse of sin. Mm-hmm. And what are we promised in this life? Not a long life. No. We're promised a brief life. Even if you live as long as Methuselah, it's a brief life in comparison to eternity. It's just a drop in the bucket. So we need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know Jesus who is 
the resurrection and the life and our victory over the grave. So let's get into this passage a little bit and see the reality of death, first of all, in the life of Adam. The reality that death is real. Now, this passage, and we're not going to go through every name, we could summarize it, but this passage has about ten names. And there's a general repeating pattern in them, right? Mm -hmm. Someone lived X number of years. For example, it says that Adam lived 130 years. And then it says he fathered one son who would be the next on the list. So he begat a son in his own likeness. That, his name was Seth. And then it says that he would live X number of years after that and father more sons and daughters. And then at the end it would say he lived a total of, and it would put the, the first number given X plus the second number given Y. He lived X plus Y number of years, but then he died. So even Adam, after he lived 930 years, <laughs> death was a reality that he himself could not overcome. Sin has entered the human race, and because of sin, death. All men, but yet, all men are still image bearers of God, as it says in this passage. So, Brother Tim, lest anyone think that God had forgotten his warning that he gave to Adam, that the day he would eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, guess what would happen to him? He would surely die. We read finally that Adam did die after 930 years. So how should the reality of death frame our lives today? Right, right. Adam died, and, and we, we all die. Um, we're, we are, although naturally afraid of death, it, it's kind of interesting that after... 6,000 years of human history, we haven't gotten used to the concept of death. Or we, we all want to avoid it. Uh, we, we know it's going to happen, but, but no matter what we do, uh, no one has succeeded at escaping death. Mm. Uh, and unless the rapture of the church takes place, we all will die. Romans 5.12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that is speaking of Adam, who, who first brought death into the world because of the sin uh, that he and, and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree. But then because they, uh, through him, sin entered into the world, Romans 5.12 tells us, and death by sin. Mm-hmm. And so death passed mm-hmm. upon all men for the all have sinned. Mm-hmm. I one time watched a, a Christian movie in, in which the main character was being chased by uh, some men who were trying to kill him. And, and shortly after the bad guys were apprehended, the main character was in a car crash with a big transfer truck, and, and he died. And the, the, it was a Christian movie just making the point that even though he was able to apprehend the people who were after him, he still faced death. Mm-hmm. And death is such a reality that we need to reckon that um, we're going to face. Uh, I, I think of the efforts that people use using medicine or Neuralink computer technology or exercise and health or, or whatever – but even if we live a hundred years of life, yeah. life is a vapor. Yeah, even Jack Lane. I remember Jack Lane mm-hmm. when I was a kid. He he, he had the exercise. I yeah. mean, he stayed uh-huh. in really good shape, but he yeah. died. Right? He was, died. Was that the guy who invented jumping jacks? Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, he had an exercise show on television. I, I think I think he was. Yeah. yeah. But but so so then how should we re- respond to this? Well, we should be prepared. Uh, if you're listening today, dear listener, and and y- you say, well, right, death comes to us. So what should I do about it? Yeah. Well. Get saved. Settle your eternal yeah. destiny today. And, and maybe there's someone out there tonight who just got uh, a cancer 
um, diagnosis, di- diagnosis yeah. right? And, and maybe there's somebody who is si- has been sick with cancer, and you've been on chemotherapy, and you're not sure you're going to make it. Or maybe you have some other physical illness, and, and death is lurking at your door. Or maybe it struck you in other ways that have affected you deeply in your soul. Give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. Yeah, Pastor, I just read a story about a man who had invited his unbelieving friend to church one Sunday, and he was really hoping for a message centered around salvation. But the pastor, he began preaching on Genesis chapter 5, the genealogy of Adam. And the man who had brought his friend Mm. was naturally disappointed. But if you'd believe it, (laughs) during the altar call, at the end of the sermon, the man's friend went forward and received Christ. And when the man later asked the friend what about the sermon caused him to give his life to Jesus, the friend said that the idea of death had become very real to him during that service because he kept hearing, and he died, and he died, Mm. and he died. So the man knew that he couldn't risk waiting to surrender his life. And I love that story because for me, it's just a reminder of basically what Brother Tim was saying. A lot of non-Christians, they live in fear of death, and frankly, they should. So we Christians can use that fear of death, which is human nature, to talk about Jesus Christ. That's right. And my question as well is how should the reality of death frame our lives? And that... I, I. I like that question because we all live with the reality of death. So how should that frame my life? How should that affect my daily life? Mm -hmm. And I believe it should affect us in this way, that I should live responsible to God with the understanding that I am going to give an account Mm -hmm. to the Lord Mm -hmm. because I'm going to die. It is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. And that we are responsible to God, dear friend. And don't let any atheist or evolutionist tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. We are going to die. Mm-hmm. We are going to give account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, this thing, you just brought the idea of, of evolution, you know, and that's one of the things, you know, in light of death, we should reject this theory of evolution, this idea that, you know, death ends it all. Yeah. Well, that needs to be rejected. I, I was looking at uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and it repeats some things out of chapter 1. God created man. Created man in our image and after our likeness. Number two and number three, male and female created he them. And so the God by ins- inspired Moses to write this and repeat this mm-hmm. as if he's looking 6,000 years down the road to see that men are going to challenge these facts. Yeah. Men are going to challenge these things. Mm-hmm. But the man is, you know, man is God's highest creation. He put the mark of his image on man. So man is not a product of evolution. And furthermore, man is not an advanced form of an animal. Yeah. He is a distinct, separate, and higher uh, creation. Uh, than, he's higher than the animal kingdom. And Moses, the writer of Genesis, back, is backed up by the creator God himself, Jesus Christ, in Matthew 19, saying he made them male and female. So God has said these, and then he repeats these in chapter 5. And so we should you know, we reject the theory of evolution. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I love Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, where it talks about how Jesus Christ destroyed him that had the power of death that is the devil mm-hmm. and one of the reasons he did this was to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage mm-hmm. so again my question how should the reality of death frame our lives not with fear yeah. mm-hmm. we're not to live with fear mm-hmm. and the only way we can overcome that fear is through Jesus Christ who defeated death by destroying the devil, who has that power and who is a very powerful, wicked being. So 
dear friends, don't fear death. Trust Jesus and even look forward to that day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I visited one of our dear saints, mm-hmm. and she's not afraid of dying. Yeah. She actually said she's going to be dying shortly, but she knows she's going to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And that was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and as I left, I said, I'll see you. And I said her name, and she said, and she said in heaven, mm-hmm. <laughs> as if... And I thought, I might not see her alive yeah, here on this earth. Mm-hmm. But I shared with her all those verses about the crowns that God has for those mm-hmm. who are faithful to him. And so, dear friend, the reality of death, don't let it frame your life with fear, but mm-hmm. let it frame your life with an anticipation of being in the presence of God and live with a sense of responsibility now that you will meet the Lord and give an account to him. Mm-hmm. So Adam died. And Dennis, before he died, he lived a long time. Mm-hmm. And some people say, this can't be that any man could live 930 years. As we read here in this genealogy, Adam lived 930 years, Seth 912, Methuselah, of course, 969 years, the oldest living man that we know of. And some people wonder, how is this even possible, or is this just a myth that's in the Bible? Yeah, we're talking about a supernatural God, and so when we see these things, the first thing is that that can't be. And yet, uh, when we look at it uh, in the scientific aspect, uh, because of the gene pool not being contaminated with viruses and the water vapor canopy covering the earth, man was allowed by God to live what seemed to be an incredible amount of time. And uh, one of the uh, creation science uh, teachers that I have in his seminar book, he says this, there are scriptural and scientific indications that the pre-flood world had greater air pressure, higher percentage of oxygen and carbon dioxide, Mm -hmm. much more land above sea level, less water on the earth, and a canopy of water to filter out the harmful effects of the sun. And we're talking about the UV rays. Mm -hmm. And it goes on to say here, this would cause there to be many times more plants and animals on the earth than there are today. Then added air pressure would diffuse more gases into the water and support much greater fish population. Mm. He goes on to say in another section, the, uh, the evolutionary theory teaches that man has been improving over the last three million years. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Mm. Both mm. history and scripture indicate that before the flood in the days of Noah, people were, were much bigger and smarter than the average person today. Mm. The Bible says they were living to be more than 900 years old. Yeah. As for smarter, you could learn a lot in 900 years. <laughs> when you think about Adam, so. 930 years. But he goes on to say in this, uh, in this seminar notebook here, Adam came from the hand of God, fully programmed with language capacity and the ability to classify and sort items quickly. In Princess it says he named all the animals in one day. Okay, and Micah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, you look at the natural reasons why people live longer before the flood, including more perfect genetics and more perfect climate, as Brother Dennis mentioned. And this first millennium or so of human history also reminds me that in the final millennium, people will live longer, too. So Isaiah 65:20, for instance, it says, No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. So in other words, there won't be any infant mortality and most men will live mm-hmm. to be extremely old. Isaiah gives the example that if someone dies at 100, that will be considered to have died young. 
So the longevity which we see here in Genesis 5 before the flood will once again be the norm during the millennial reign of Christ. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. 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 Brother Dennis, did you want to... There's just one more sentence. Thought? It says, sure. uh, Adam was around for over half the time from the creation to the flood, so his great knowledge would be spread throughout the world. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So it's, uh, it's a lot. If, he if, just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could Im- imagine mm-hmm. living that long and mm-hmm. being able to have a sharp mind and not lose your mind mm-hmm. at at a hundred years old. They they yeah. had a sharp mind still at the age of eight hundred and nine hundred yeah. years old. Yeah. So that's wow. amazing. Yeah. The reality that mm-hmm. death is real is illustrated to us and shown to us by Adam, the first man ever created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so here in this passage of scripture, we do see. Adam, and we see what became of Adam and the following generations, and a number of given, as I mentioned, and we won't get into all of them, but then we come to a very interesting man down Mm -hmm. in verse number 21, Enoch, and Enoch shows us that even though the reality that death is real, there's another reality, Mm -hmm. that death can be defeated, because Enoch lived in this world where everyone died... But Enoch doesn't die, so praise God. Now, Enoch was a great man. He is the first quoted prophet in Scripture, and that quote is given in Jude 14, yep. but he's mm-hmm. the first quoted prophet. He's listed in the great Hebrews 11 chapter of faith, that mm-hmm. hall of faith. Yep. He bore a son who lived longer than any man in world history, and he was the first one who was miraculously brought to heaven without dying. So let's just talk about Enoch for a moment, mm-hmm. Micah. And and the pattern of the writer is broken up with the birth of Enoch. As I mentioned, that pattern, he lived, mm-hmm. he had a son, he lived a few more years, then he died. So that pattern is broken because, as I mentioned, Enoch doesn't die. But it does say twice in this passage, right, that he walked with God. So let's just talk about Enoch and how he walked with God Genesis chapter 5 verse 22 Enoch walked with God Genesis 5 24 and Enoch walked with God so Michael what does it mean to walk with God and how do we walk with God today yeah well remember back in Genesis 3 we discussed how God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day Mm. and that meant that he was not only present with them but there was a real intimacy in their relationship. They actually talked with God. Well, mm-hmm. the same is true of Enoch, the great, 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 great grandson of Adam and Eve. Scripture mentions, as you said, Pastor, two times that he also walked with God. In other words, he had a friendship with his creator. He loved the Lord's company. Mm-hmm. He was a loyal follower who obeyed God's command. And um, Amos 3.3 3 says it really well. It says, can two walk together except, except they be agreed? So Enoch agreed with God. And um, the Apostle Paul also tells us that we too can walk with God. So Ephesians 4.1, I'll just read that verse. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So Paul tells us, and we know from the rest of Scripture, that we too can walk with God. Maybe not in the exact same way Enoch did, but we can walk with God and have a great Christian walk. And you know, mm-hmm. everyone's walk with God has a different outcome, right? Mm -hmm. So Enoch walked with God and God took him. Noah walked with God and God didn't take him. Mm -hmm. So we could walk with God 
and God might lead us to be an accountant. Somebody else may walk with God, and God will lead them to be a pastor. Somebody may walk with God and live a long life. Somebody else may walk with God and, and get cancer and die at, a, at an earlier age. So the outcome of walking with God, we're not sure about, but God is in control. The important thing for us is to walk with God. Brother Tim, did you want to share a verse on that or make a comment? Absolutely. Uh, I found this verse to be really encouraging to me in, in my own spiritual life. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of, of the flesh. And just it's an encouragement to me to, to think about the fact that as I'm walking with God, with the Spirit of God, mm-hmm. that that. There is no no way possible that I can sin while I am walking with God. Not not that I can attain a sinless perfection, but mm-hmm. that while I am walking with God, yeah. uh, those moments, moment by moment, when I'm walking with God, I, I'm not sinning. And mm. and this concept of walking with God, I see it described throughout the New Testament. I I can't find any difference. And Pastor, maybe you've got any, some input on this, but I personally don't see myself what the difference is. Any difference between uh, being filled with the Spirit and walking with God uh, and abiding in Christ, they, they mm-hmm. seem so intertwined. And Absolutely. So, yeah. so, it, so as I walk in the Spirit, I shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What an encouragement. Yeah. Uh, Brother Dennis, did you have a verse to share about walking with God? I was trying to find it. It said, henceforth I shall, be, I shall call you friends. I don't know exactly how it goes, but it says, you know, that what a, could be in John 15, 16, 17, but... Uh, where Jesus talking to his disciples about they're his friends, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, on the opposite side of the coin, I guess the think is there's going to be there's going to be resistance if you're a follower of Christ. The enemy doesn't want you to walk with God, yeah. and so he's going to come at you with everything to the point of even trying to convince you that your your prayers going no higher than the ceiling. Mm. You have to reject that and resist right. that, and there, everything else is going to come to saying why are you spending time with God, and we got to you got to. Uh, Go into scripture and find out. No, this is worthwhile, and and it's to be expected that the enemy would try to interfere with your prayer life, interfere with your spending time with God. Yeah, Enoch walked with God, and so can we. And what I love as well in as New Testament Christians is that Jesus Christ is our example of true walking, and we're to walk even as He walked. Yeah. It says in First John chapter two, and Tim, you mentioned about being filled with the Spirit and abiding in the Lord. There's a synonymous thing there, and I agree with that. First John chapter 2, verse 6 says, He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. When I think of walking with someone, obviously you're going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. So walking with God and walking as Jesus walked means I'm going in the same direction mm-hmm. as God. I'm believing God, I'm trusting God, I'm depending God, and it means I'm seeking to please God. Mm-hmm. And that's the testimony, ultimately, that Enoch had, yeah. that he pleased God. So when you're walking with God, you're pleasing God. And dear friend, are you walking with Jesus today? And do you know Him as your Savior? Mm-hmm. That's why we're here tonight, to encourage you to walk with Jesus Christ, to walk in the Spirit, to abide in Him, to walk confessing your sins, to walk in the same direction as the Lord, to walk like those 144,000 are going to walk. They walk with God in tough times, but it says they walk with God and they followed the Lamb. I love that. Wherever He went. So we to walk with God means we go where God's going. Amen. And to please the Lord. 
And if you want us to pray with you about your walk with God, maybe you're not spending the time you need to spend in prayer. Maybe you're not in the Word of God. Maybe you're not walking in the same direction as the Lord. You're not pleasing God. There's things in your life today that you say, I know that God is is not pleased and He's angry and I even feel His conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. Give us a call right now. Let us pray with you Mm. at 929-333-3733. Three nine and make this day May twenty ninth, twenty twenty two, a day that you're going to say, I'm going to put a stake down in the ground. I'm going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk with God. Yeah, Amen, Pastor. You mentioned uh, that Enoch had the very first prophetic word uttered by a human being in the Bible, and it came from this man. So his prophecy actually is about Jesus, but surprisingly, it's not about Jesus in his first coming. It's actually about Jesus in his second coming. And this quote, wow. it's recorded surprisingly in the book of Jude, and I'll just read it. Jude verses 14 and part of 15 says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And there are other prophecies of Enoch, and they're recorded in something known as the Book of Enoch. But that book is a later composition of information, and it wasn't written in full by Enoch. It's a historical document. It was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, but it's not part of the Bible. Definitely. And a lot of people are enamored by the Book of Enoch, Mm -hmm. and some even teach that the book of Enoch should be in our Bible, but somehow it just missed getting in there. (laughs) That is not true. The book of Enoch is actually filled with error, theological error, all through. And I'm just going to give a couple that, that I've heard of myself. One, that it was not God who warned Noah of the coming flood, but it was the angels, even the fallen angels, that warned Noah of the flood. Another is another error of the book of Enoch is that angels built the ark and not Noah. Mm, that's crazy. So yeah, th- this is not not the Bible, dear friends. Mm-hmm. And pagan practices and making offerings to the sun, the moon, and the stars in some kind of legitimate fashion is mentioned in Enoch. So it's a Gnostic writing. It is not a true book of God. And so it does not belong in our canon of Scripture. And don't let anybody tell you that it does. Amen. Our number is 929-333-3739. We're talking about walking with God. Now, Tim, as Enoch walked with God... What happened to this great man, and what are the implications of what happened to him? Good question. Well, it, it says that he was 65 years old. He had a son, Methuselah, and then he lived another 300 years. And and then it says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And that's that's all it says. It says that God took him. He was not, at the end of, of his life on earth, he was not. It doesn't say, and he died. So there is obviously some kind of a contrast between the the others in the genealogy. And so Enoch was miraculously transported or, or translated to glory, uh, the idea of, of being just removed suddenly. Uh, so there was no body that uh, felt any pain, that suffered, that de- that began to, to uh, get cancer or some other debilitating disease and, and die. Uh, or 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 wear down with old age. He just was gone from here and was immediately in heaven. 
And, and so when it says he was not found, indicates that if people looked for him, they couldn't find him. Mm-hmm. There, this wasn't some yeah. secret event. Yeah, uh, that's but, important right there. It wasn't a secret event. In other words, God was making known to the world, to mm-hmm. the ancient world, that there's life mm-hmm. after this earth. Don't put all your hope into this world. Right, right. There wasn't a body that they could find. Yeah. That, that if they looked for him, they said, where'd he go? He had to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so what the, are the implications of this? Uh, well, in the beginning and the middle of the Bible, here Genesis 5, and then, and then later in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see that death can be defeated mm-hmm. by the one who walks with God and trusts the Lord for eternal life. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to read it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 says, By faith, Enoch was translated. Uh, which again just means that he was was removed suddenly. He was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before he his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And if we just stop there, we say, well, that's great. He pleased God, so I'm mm-hmm. going to try to turn over a new leaf and do good and and be a nice person to please God. But the very next verse says, but without faith. It yeah. is impossible to please yeah. God. That's how we please God. For he God, that cometh right? to God must believe yeah. that he is. Yes, he, he, he had to put his faith mm-hmm. in Almighty God and in God's plan of salvation. And maybe there's somebody out there now who, is, who would say, oh, I'm, I want to please God and, and I want to live a good life and, and then maybe God will be pleased with me at the end of my life. But no, we have to come to God by faith and we see throughout the rest of Scripture that it's faith in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Okay. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Brother Micah. Yeah. Well, I was just I agree with Tim that it wasn't yeah. a secret event. You know, when you think about Elijah and Elisha, you know, there was Elisha who mm-hmm. witnessed the translation right. of Elisha, Elijah up into heaven. Mm-hmm. And then they also looked for him, too. You know, the right. prophets looked for him. Um, but I think it's interesting to remember that all the other guys in this genealogy, except for Adam, were still alive at this point. So Adam had died just 57 years earlier. But Seth Enoch, Canaan, Mahaliel, and Jared were all alive to witness mm. this disappearance of Enoch, and wow. somebody saw it, otherwise we wouldn't know about it. Surely this confirmed to them that Enoch was a true prophet of God. Yeah, and I, I just looked up that word in the Blue Letter Bible where it says he was translated, mm-hmm. and and it says he he transferred. He was transferred. And I thought about a job transfer. You know, like if you, get, if you get transferred from one department to yeah. the other. And he yeah. got quite the promotion here. Nice. So he, he just got transferred from, from earth all the way to heaven. Yeah. And, and if Jesus Christ comes back today and there's a rapture, guess what? We're going to be transferred too. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. If, we get, if we're alive during the time of the rapture. Of the church. Well, Enoch was a great man, dear friend, mm-hmm. and he was this, the first one. Elijah, we know, was taken to heaven in the chariot, but Enoch, uh, even though there were godly men even before him and after him, God chose to take Enoch. And it shows that there is victory over death. And I want to play a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really awesome song, and I, I want our listeners to really enjoy this song. It's entitled, Nothing Ever Can and Nothing Ever Will. And God himself always wins. So whatever you're going through today, dear friend, know that nothing ever can and nothing ever will overcome the plan and purpose of God for your life as you're walking by faith in Jesus Christ. God has a plan for your life. Walk with God. And if we can pray with you right now, call us at 929-333-3739.
song will make you shout right there praise god that song was done by the west coast baptist college in their cd 20 years of christ honoring music if you'd like to look that up and it's on youtube as well so we just have a few minutes and a number of important questions still to ask so we're gonna we're talking about the reality of life under the curse and the, the third reality we see is the reality of a coming judgment and we see this in the birth of a man named Methuselah, and his name is important. So, Dennis, what does Methuselah's name possibly mean? A number of good men believe that his name means a certain thing, and why is this important? Yes, the uh, many ancient commentators have said that Methuselah's name means when he is dead, it shall be sent. It shall be sent, referring to judgment. That's from Henry Morris. Methuselah's name was a special revelation God gave Enoch of the coming judgment of the flood. When he died, the world would be destroyed. He went on to live 969 years longer than any man, and his name warned of the coming judgment that would be sent. The emphasis, God's, uh, the emphasis uh, ends on God's patience. I'm going to read Second Peter 3.9. It's such an important verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We don't hear much about repentance these days, but yeah. it's important. But it goes on to say that Methuselah's name in life uh, should have prepared the world to meet God. Uh, A.W. Pink writes, From the time Methuselah was born, the world lost all its attractiveness for Enoch. And from that time on, as never before, he walked with God. And yes, uh, the same year Methuselah died, the flood was sent upon the earth. Wow. And I thought that uh, this is the, we see in the providence of God here. We see the providence in God's uh, in Methuselah's name. And we need to see the providence in, of God in our lives. Mm. Years ago, I remember hearing Dr. Charles Stanley say, Christians don't do luck. Yeah. And that, while that's so true, yeah. we believe in the God of providence, not luck. And so with it is, so we see also that's the truth in the life of Methuselah, Enoch, and Noah. And we mm. see the, we see the baton of faith passed down from them, from Seth, uh, Methuselah, Enoch, and Noah. Uh, yeah. And so Enoch was a prophet, and he proclaimed and preached the coming of the Lord with 10,000 of his saints. And yeah, he yeah. named his son Methuselah, which pointed to the coming judgment of the worldwide flood. That's amazing. Thank you, Dennis. And lastly, let's talk about Noah, Micah, for just a few minutes. And here we see the reality of God's comfort in the life of Noah. 
So according to Genesis 5.29, how does Noah's life bring comfort to us, to the people alive then, and even to us as we're living life under the curse of sin? Yeah, Pastor, Noah's name means comfort or rest. It says so right there in the text. I'll read verse 29 again. It says, And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Noah is a comforting figure in the biblical narrative because he was faithful to God at a time when the cursed world was very wicked. Later in Genesis 6, the next chapter, it refers to the time of Noah and says that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. But even in this time of wickedness and evil, Noah walked with God, just like his great-grandfather Enoch. And this should bring comfort to us because it's a reminder that we can walk with God even in the world when it's, which is getting darker and darker. Amen. Yeah. And quite amazing how Noah comforts us. The way, the way I look at, too, how Noah comforts us as well, that the righteous can be saved mm-hmm. even when there's a judgment in the world. Mm-hmm. God still saves the righteous through that judgment. And also, it com- Noah comforts us concerning, and even says concerning the work and toil of our hands, is that his work was not in vain in the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> that he Amen. did build an ark, and the ark was used to save humanity, yeah. to bring humanity through the flood. Yeah, and can I just throw out an amazing insight yeah. that I got from a biblical teacher, Chuck Missler, that I sometimes look at his stuff. He's passed away now. But we mentioned that Noah's name means comfort, and we also mentioned that Methuselah's name means when he is dead, it shall be sent. Well, Chuck Missler has this theory that if you go through the entire genealogy of Genesis 5, it actually creates a sentence talking about what you were just mentioning, Pastor, which is the salvation of humanity. So we can't go through every name. It's a little hard to do over the radio, but if you could see what each name is and what they mean, starting with Adam, the, if you go through the genealogy, it can be said, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort or rest. Wow. So the idea that if you translate the names in the genealogy of Genesis 5, it's actually a picture of the gospel, which God had planned from the foundation. So of those God. are the names of all the men listed in the genealogy. Can of you Adam. say that again one yeah, time? So Adam means man. So mm-hmm. man is appointed. Seth means appointed. So man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching his death shall bring mm-hmm. the despairing comfort and rest. Wow. Amen. Amen. You know, many people deny that Noah even lived or that the flood occurred. You cannot do that and believe the Bible, dear friends, because Amen. Noah is mentioned in Matthew, he's mentioned in Luke, he's mentioned in the book of Hebrews, he's mentioned in First Peter and Second Peter. And in Hebrews, that great chapter of faith, Brother Tim, we read that Noah was warned of God. And so what does this warning from God lead Noah to do? And do you believe that God warns us in a sense like that today? Or have you ever been warned of God to do a work for the Lord Jesus? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Noah also uh, walked with God, God didn't take him out of the earth in the same way that he took Enoch out. Instead, God warned him and led him to build the great ark. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, saving humanity. And the ark is, is a picture of salvation. And he embarked on a mission to save souls as a preacher of righteousness. And and, and God has warned us. How does God warn me? Well, he doesn't warn me with an audible voice, but with his word. 
He warns of the eternal doom of the lost. He warns us to sound the alarm. Use our talents to point people to Christ. And that's why my wife and I are here to be evangelists. Uh, we're, we're going to use our talents, teaching English, and doing whatever Amen. we can to point people. As in Noah's day, there is hope and an escape from death. Thank you, Brother Tim. Thank you, Dennis, for being here tonight. Micah, as always, thank you for your amazing insights. Dear friends, we're living in life under sin's curse. And the reality is, is that death is real. But the reality as well is that death can be defeated. And death is defeated through Jesus Christ. Just as Noah built that ark and there was one door of escape from the flood, there's one door. His name is Jesus. Trust in him. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.